Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. It's a Friday morning. It's time for Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we've got a program lined up. We're going to talk about a little bit about 2015, but more important, we're going to talk about 2016. Going to give you some advice, you might say, or just basically some recommendations on how to avoid the problems with the market. My guests are Keith Quinn and Landon Mills, and uh, boy, I'm looking forward to all the wisdom that they're going to share with us. But before we get started, I'm just reading a couple of things. Uh, Fidelity has done some surveys, and they've said that 72% think that's going forward in 2016 that they're going to be better off financially. So that's why this program is important for you. If 72% of us think that we're going to be better off financially, we need to make sure we know what we're doing about it. And that's good. And by the way, Art, you know, this is one of those things that happens to us. Have you ever lost your wallet, you know, where you have those things happen and people, uh, you know, my wife a couple of years ago um, got up out of a restaurant and, you know, and we were in busy. We had a bunch of things going on and had left her purse uh, sitting beside the chair. And uh, we got about Two, three miles away from the restaurant, she recognized she didn't have it, so we drove back, and when we got back, it wasn't there. It did show up a couple of weeks later in a nice package and mailed to her completely empty. But here's a statistic that was done by Luna Quick Servers, Surveys in the poll of a 1,000 people. It said half of Americans have found someone's wallet or purse. Half. 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 Mm-hmm. half. That's pretty good. And uh, here's the point that says that uh, 89%, 89% have turned it in. Period. That is amazing. Period. Turned it in and tracked down the owner. Mm-hmm. So 6% and kept it, and 5% skimmed the reward for it. Hey, guys, mm. at least it says 90% of us are honest and willing to get back in front of that and take care of it and give it back to people. 71% of Americans say some aspect of talking to financial advisors is somewhat scary. Well, guess what? We understand that. That's why we're going to talk with Landon Mills and Keith Quinn when we come back, because we're going to dive into, first of all, we're going to talk about some predictions and some historical data. And uh, what about this past year? Keith's going to tell us a little bit about what the S&P 500 has done, what we expect it to do. He's going to dive into that with us. Landon's going to talk with me about the idea of things to avoid when it comes to investing. In fact, I'm going to get both of these guys to give us some seven reasons not to get so caught up in some of the things that everybody else does And when they set up and do their investing for 2016. The market's been kind of shaky. It started out this past Monday with a huge thud, and it's continued for the week. It looks like we might see it turn around a little bit today. Got a great jobs report. Keith will talk more about that. But before we take a break, have you seen Star Wars? Have you been able to go to the (laughs) Star Wars program and check it out? Well, guess what? It may pass Avatar. 
with $740 million thus far, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a great, great year. So stay with us. Hey, I've got you around the table, I hope, or driving your car. You listen to us. We're going to give you some good, good information today. Keith Quinn, Landon Mills, we'll be back right after this. Jim Shoemaker, Keith Quinn, and Landon Mills are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money will return right after this. Thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I, you know, today's program, if you're, if you're kind of one of those investors that as the market begin to thud a little bit and drop and China gets to rumbling and all the things going on there, and you get caught up in it. It's kind of one of those situations where, you know, you have to learn to kind of when to cut off the television, when do you not read the journal, when do you, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's very tough. Well, my guests today are going to help us walk through some of the issues that, that they do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Keith Quinn is our chief investment officer for Shoemaker Financial. Landon Mills is one of our advisors and does a wonderful job in working with his clients. And so, guys, what I want to do today is kind of move us through, Keith. Let's start with you. Some of the predictions or thought process that you're going through right now, you spent the last month, December, doing right. it, and you kind of, you're moving through that because you sat down with the investment committee and you helped put together the portfolio. So what what do you know? What do you know? What's, what are you thinking about prediction-wise? Right. So, Jim, you know, we've always focused on the fundamentals. So we're thinking about things. You know, we're looking at growth. We're looking at, you know, how much inflation there's going to be. Uh, you know, we look outside the U.S. How are the, uh, how are the uh, global economies doing? And obviously, you know, one of the big things that spooked us this week and what drove the market down was this fear that we saw last year. We saw last year and last August we had this when the market pulled back on concerns about growth in China. And that's exactly what we saw this week. We saw on Monday some manufacturing numbers came out in China that were really in line with expectations, but caused a little bit of concern. But the interesting thing about China, and this is really what started all this and driving the market down, and there's some other things that added to it. But what I want our listeners to understand was a lot of this was driven by some new trading rules uh, that the Chinese have instituted. So in the Chinese stock market, in order to knock out some of the volatility, they put in some circuit breakers, which essentially would stop the market trading after a certain level drop. So when the market dropped 5% on Monday, the market paused for 
15 minutes in China. After the 15 minutes, trading resumed, and then it immediately dropped to a 7% loss. As soon as they hit 7%, the market closed. Now, this was, again, designed to knock down the volatility in the Chinese stock market, but it actually had the exact opposite effect. Because the Chinese market is made up of a lot of individual investors, there was more of a herd mentality, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up. Uh, But the herd mentality drove people to get out and get out before these circuit breakers hit. So it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And again, we saw that happen Monday. We saw it happen again on Thursday. And now the Chinese have suspended those rules, which brings us back to one of the fundamental problems is the question of how the Chinese government, how does Beijing regulate this? They're new to this game. And we all remember the circuit breaker on the S&P, and we are far more stable than the Chinese market, is 20%. Uh, And they were stopping trading at five. So it was just they said it too tight. It's too tight. And, you know, but I think we'll see that kind of work its way out. Absolutely. I think think they will figure that out. They're already already figuring figuring it out out and understanding it. And I think a lot of people realize that uh, you're right. They are somewhat new at the game. They are. Even though we don't think of that. uh, But uh, we look at our market being almost 200 years old. And uh, China is only probably 40 years old. And I'm, I'm quoting that, saying that, not having actually gone in and done the research. I just, uh, the best recollection that I could have. And I'm not trying to get technical there. but um. And it goes back to what you have talked about a lot in that, you know, China is this shifting economy. They've gone from this export-driven economy. Now they want to shift to where it's more consumer-driven right. as our economy is. And they're just going through the growing It's pain. just growth. It's just pure, unadulterated growth, which everybody has to understand. And this is probably in the long run good. For us. Probably. You know, it's one of those things. And again, when we look at the global economy, I've heard someone refer, refer to it as a five-piston engine. You've got the U.S., uh, you've got Europe, you've got J- China, Japan, and then the rest of the emerging market right. countries. So when you see slower growth out of the U.S., slower growth out of Europe, or had been no growth, and they've been right. in recession. And as you've talked about, you know, they're starting to see some signs of growth this year. Uh, it just puts more importance on China when you see this specter of Chinese uh, growth slowing down. And again, we're talking about, you know, six and a half to seven percent growth when we're looking at you know around two percent growth right. so slowing down would be phenomenal growth here but slowing yeah slowing down now you mentioned two percent let's talk about some of the i know we we listen to bob Dahl a lot uh, we do. and uh we've had him on the program a lot and uh but let's just i wanted you to kind of have a few minutes here just to not all the top 10 i mean he's got 10 predictions and right. thought processes that he goes through but let's just kind of uh, pick out the ones that you think are relatively uh, good things that we need to be looking at as far as top 10 going forward top right. 10 going forward well i think as as we just said with gdp growth and right. that's a big thing and a driver of profits of course in the us and bob is predicting that real gdp growth remains below 3% and nominal growth below 5 for the 10th year in a row and that's really unusual but that's kind of where we are and i know he had said that phrase to us a couple of years ago on the radio this goldilocks economy yeah, that's right, and man. that's where we're stuck it's not too hot not too cold we're still growing and i heard someone last night uh, one of the talking heads uh, use the r word uh, recession. Uh, and I think we totally disagree with that. We do not see well, any signs of a recession. Reports. The job report. The job report is a great indication of that. 292,000 jobs this morning. And we had a consensus estimate to add 200,000 non-farm, uh, non-farm payroll jobs. 
292,000 jobs is a massive number. Massive. It's a really good number. Yeah, and I think you'll see the market react to that. And the reality is that uh, sometimes we have to get all the data. We do. And to, to make decisions, not just a little bit of the data. What's another top 10, that, uh, or not top 10, you might say, but his 10 predictions that you like? Well, another one that we talk about a lot is what the Fed is going to do. You know, we've, we've talked for years about the Fed raising rates. They finally raised rates last year by 25 basis points. Now, that's one quarter of 1%. So that's not a big move in interest rates. And that's only on overnight lending rates. Uh, Bob is predicting that Treasury rates will go higher this year. Uh, we agree with that. Now, the only question is how much. The Fed has said potentially four interest rate increases this year of 25 basis points each. The futures market in the, is indicating two increases of 25 basis points each. I think we would come down somewhere around one to two increases potentially because, again, in that Goldilocks economy, the one thing that the Fed has stressed is that they are going to stay data-specific. And in the last press conference, Janet Yellen uh, used gradual 11 times. Yeah, She's focused uh, on this. Gradual. And the fact that we're just not seeing inflation. I know a lot of predictions now that we're going to see a little bit of inflation. Uh, I know I read that Japan has now said we are going to create inflation. I mean, they know they've got to stimulate, and sometimes inflation does. It's hard for us to imagine, especially those of us who remember the 80s, that inflation was out of control, right. that we need a little inflation. If people could just put into perspective what sometimes inflation will do just to your house. I mean, you know, if real estate is, it needs to get a boost, put a little inflation to it. Not a lot. because You know, it's kind of like having the right amount. A little too much of something is bad. Not enough of something is, not, is also bad. We just need a little. We need that healthy level of inflation, right. you know, whatever that number is. And you're exactly right. You know, that gives people... People, as your home price goes up, it gives you that feeling that you're more wealthy and you are more wealthy. Uh, and that translates into consumer spending. And, of course, consumer spending is one of the biggest drivers of our uh, economy. Not, a, not the biggest, you know. What about non-U.S.? I know he predicted a little bit about non-U.S. equities and your thoughts. He is predicting that non-U.S. equities outperform domestic equities. Uh, this is one that, you know, we have focused a lot on over the last several years. Uh, I would agree with that prediction. And, and for one reason, it's the, it's the uh, divergent in the central bank policies. You know, we just talked about what the Fed Reserve is doing here, we're basically starting on a tightening cycle. Now, that's very slow tightening. They're still reinvesting the proceeds from the $4 trillion balance sheet they have at the Fed. But Europe is just the opposite. The European Central Bank and Mario Draghi are focused on easing. They are focused on generating inflation. They are focused on encouraging growth. We would certainly expect that to continue. Some of the headwinds that Europe has been facing uh, from earnings, a stronger dollar was one of the themes we saw last year, something we expect to play out again this year. Well, a stronger dollar is an absolute tailwind for European earnings. Absolutely. It helps them. It, helps it hurts it our hurts companies, right. uh, but it helps them. So we would expect to see them. And then finally, I guess valuations is the other thing. The valuations are a little more attractive in Europe just because the prices have been lower. And they have been so low and for so long. Uh, unemployment is still about 10 percent there. And, uh, you know, that's got to come down. And they're making, as you say, they're they're making a stance to do that. Right. And that will create some of the needed uh, momentum and consumer. I think the consumer in Europe's got to get a little bit around this. And I think it's time for them. And again, it's uh, we've been ahead of them for several years. They are now. And so 2016 should be a good time for Europe. Don't know. We just, you know, again, these That's are Bob Dole's right. predictions, this is, this is and prediction. we're just kind of giving our opinion of them <laughs> for <laughs> hey, what it's worth. And, and you know, I'll, by I'll the just, way, it's not worth much. <laughs> we'll, throw, we'll always throw in the caveat that past performance is <laughs> indicative of very little. <laughs> very, very <laughs> so. little. But that's important. What about um, 
terrorism, geopolitical problems. I mean, well, that, no, yeah. he's predicted some things about He's that. predicted that it's going to be a, a continued concern throughout the year, but that it's not going to have an impact on the markets. And, and again, I think we would agree with that. Uh, obviously, that was the, the second leg of the stool we, we, we had this week uh, when we had the, the concerns out of China. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we think about what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, the Saudis uh, had executed 47 uh, terrorists last weekend on Saturday. One of the terrorists was a uh, Shia cleric. Uh, the Iranians uh, uh, responded to that by attacking the Saudi embassy in Tehran. Uh, the Saudis have suspended diplomatic relations with the Iranians. Uh, now the uh, UAE, Bahrain, uh, Ku- Kuwait, Sudan have all followed in the Saudis' footsteps, all Sunni governments, uh, and have suspended relations with Iran. That is always a concern when we have that kind of volatility in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia and Iran are both members of OPEC. Saudi Arabia produces about 10 million barrels of oil a day. Iran produces about three. That should go up when some of the sanctions are listed. And Secretary of State Kerry said last night that we're basically days away from them meeting the requirements right. to have some of these sanctions lifted. So that could be a big impact on global oil supply. And that's always the concern in the Middle East. How does that impact, uh, you know, the global economy? And so when we look at that, I know Bob's saying that it's going to haunt investors, right. I'm quoting him, but have little market impact. And I think the reality is, as you say, it's real, and I don't – I mean, even as we look at the political side and the political rallies that are going to be going on over this next year, what a perfect soft target, you might say, to get a little attention. So there, there, there's going to have to be heightened uh, you know, security to those, but – just we're going to have to understand it's going to be a part of life going forward. Well, it really is. And, and you know, looking at the situation in the Middle East, the, the bigger concern beyond uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran is, of course, you know, we are backing the Saudi Arabia, uh, Russia and uh, Vladimir Putin backing Iran. And Iran and Saudi Arabia are essentially fighting proxy wars in Yemen and Syria. Yeah. Uh, the Iranians yesterday claimed that the Saudi uh, that Saudis bombed their embassy in Yemen. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's no proof of that, but this is but the you, kind of stuff that, that happens. And that's that's the scary part is it's a little bit volatile. It's uh, it's a volatile area. Yeah. When, uh, let me ask you this. I always like to ask you this when I have you on the program. You always do a great job. And this, of course, was Bob's uh, one of his his tenth of his. And it's always his tenth. It, and my favorite. <laughs> and your favorite. <laughs> uh, and I think it's important for us to discuss it because we are in a political election year. And he predicts that the Republicans retain the House and the Senate and capture the White House. Now, I know other predictions, and we look at a lot of predictions. Right. You and I don't just listen to just Bob. There's others that say unless the Republicans can get themselves on track, and which they're not at this moment, right. uh, that literally the Democrats could take it. And that would be unprecedented because it's only happened one other time where the party that's going for two, you know, two terms, eight years, and get the second one. That's only happened with Ronald Reagan and George, I mean, and H.W. Uh, Bush. But uh, here we are. This could be Obama, Obama, and then Clinton, if the Republicans don't. Thoughts? Uh, well, I'll go and on. By the way, we only have five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say I'll go out on a limb here and say I'm not sure it's going to be Clinton. Uh, I think that there are still some shoes to drop in some of these uh, some of these things related to some of her uses of uh, of email while she was Secretary of State. Um, I think people are going to uh, see this movie that's coming out 13 days about Benghazi, even though it doesn't mention the administration, President Obama, or Secretary Clinton by name. I think it's a, a clear implication that those guys were kind of hung out to dry a little mm-hmm. bit, and I believe they were. Uh, I uh, I think it's going to. 
to be an interesting election. I totally agree with Bob Dahl. I think the Republicans are going to take the presidency and keep both houses of Congress, which for the economy, uh, you would think would potentially be a good thing if we could get some stuff done. What we haven't gotten done over the last seven years, we focused an awful lot of monetary policy, and that's what the Federal Reserve can do. But there's only so much you can do with monetary policy. We really need to put some work into fiscal policy, fiscal policy. into tax reform, uh, into things like that, into knocking out some of these regulations that make it harder to do business in the U.S., and that's what I think a Republican administration could do. Well, uh, you know, I think you I don't disagree with you at all. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, I'd say, trail that we have to run with this next uh it's, it's, it's the most interesting election it's, I've ever it's seen. It's going to see a very election. Well, if you're interested in what's happened in 2015, here's just a thought for you. The the market, the S&P, just the S&P was positive last year about just, uh, you know, six out of the 12 months. But it ended 1.4 percent only because, and you know this, uh, Keith, that it, it, it ended up because dividends were reinvested. If you'd taken the dividends out. And not put it would have been down one percent loss. I yeah, think yeah, 1%, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so people have to understand. Last year, not a good year for investing. It was a tough year. It was the second tough year. I mean, we had 2014 was not that stellar. 2015, we had the correction that we saw in right. 2015, and then of course S and P stock index has gained an average of nine point seven percent per year over the last fifty years. And we have to keep that in mind. That's a that's something we have to think through and understand, and it's been positive for the last seven years of the last 12, and again, uh, 12 of the last 13 years. The stock has been positive for the last seven years, but, you know, if you think about it, it's uh, something that you have to deal with volatility, and Landon Mills is going to talk to us about some of the stuff that we have to get involved in, and when we get to making decisions, how do you go through some things, and I know you guys are going to drive into that idea of some Seven things to avoid right. mindset when you're making investments. But any thoughts about any of that? I mean, well, yeah, I think that's absolutely key, Jim. When you think about the S and P and looking back at that other number, you know, the 50 years up 39 out of the last 50 years. Now yeah. that's uh, out of the last 50 years. Think about what we've gone through in the last 50 years. I mean, everything from 9/11 to 2008 to uh, you know a, a lot of of, of things hyperinflation. That, oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I was just trying to think back. There's just so many things that we've gone through and still averaged a positive return basically 75 percent of the time. Well, it's it's the split of the ups and downs trading days for the S and for the last 50 years, what right. you're talking about, it's been 53% has been up, 47% has been down. And, you know, that just tells you it's never going to be higher in one great, but 53% is a pretty good number for you. By the way, last year it was completely reversed. 47%, right. you know, was up. 53% were down. So. And that's kind of what it says to me. You know, when we talk an awful lot about not trying to time the market, if you want to pick any individual day, it's basically a coin flip. Well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. In fact, to just to add that to thought process, if you took the total return of the S&P 500, again, with dividends invested, 1.4%, right. if you missed the three best percentage days last year, you would have been, you know, you just missed them instead of being up 1.4%. You're fall, you miss missed those three best days, you're down 7.1%. So that's an 11% swing by missing three days. Three days. days. Three days. Three days. And that's the problem with market timing. And if you're I, out on those three days. And that's why I want you to stay with us because Landon and Keith are going to dive into this idea of seven things you want to look at when you make a mindset to start investing. 2016 is a new year. And if you've been investing for a long time, this is going to help you. So when we come back, these guys are going to go through some, some seven things that we need to think about because reality is missing those.
those three days could have hurt you. We want to learn how to not do that, if at all possible. Stay with us. We'll be back. Landon Mills, Keith Quinn. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The views and opinions expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial or Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the result. Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services do not make any representations as to the accuracy, compliance, or effectiveness of its content. Neither Securian Financial Services Incorporated nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Bob Dahl or Nuveen Investments. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Uh, we've got two great guests. You've listened, been listening to one. Of course, he is uh, just our investment, just our investment guru <laughs> in, in the office. Does a great job. Keeps us in, in you know in line. But Landon Mills is an advisor that spends time in the trenches with the clients and deals with what's going on this past week. And you know the word is volatility, and we talk right. about volatility. It's kind of like we use it uh, like peanut butter and jelly. It's no big deal. Volatility is our life. Volatility is a part of our daily lives. But it's not when you happen to be a person that's doing something else full time and in investing in their 401k, investing in their college education funds, their retirement, their savings, whatever. And all of a sudden, the news is telling them that market drops 400 points. I had a client yesterday to send me something that he has an alert on our smartphones. Those right. are great things, but it's good for weather alerts, <laughs> not so much for market alerts. He sent it to me. He said, "Okay, what are we going to do?" You know, and I, you know, and I, the point was uh, nothing because volatility <laughs> is the part of the market. If the market's going up. People don't get too alarmed about it. That's volatility. Yeah, we love that kind we of volatility. Love that kind of volatility. Yeah. Exactly. We're going to have some volatility today. Yeah, exactly. It's going to go. <laughs> it's going to go up. At least it's poised to go <laughs> yes. up. Right. So, Landon, let's start now. Th- these are strategic thoughts. These are these are attitudes, approaches. I'm not going to say they're their rules or their 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 guidelines. Just a, a strategy, a, a thought strategically. You know, how do you put position yourself? So, Landon, there's seven of them. And the first one, I know you talk a lot about this because in, in your practice you deal with this, following the herd. Before I get into that, let me say to Landon, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. But but following the herd, what mm-hmm. does what do you talk about, Landon, with that? Well, following the herd is basically just when an individual decides to, you know, it's it's very common. It's very much human nature, but it's when an individual decides I'm going to follow what everybody else is doing because clearly they they know what you know. They know better than me. They know better than me. They've got they've got their uh, eyes and ears out, uh, and they have found something that you know obviously is is something that's good. So I'm going to jump on that bandwagon, sure. and I'm going to go with them. Uh, there's 
it, it, like I said, it is very common. It is something that we see a lot. It can backfire on you. And, and, and a lot of the reason why it backfires is because it creates something that we talk about quite a bit, euphoria. Mm. And euphoria is just basically, you know, following something that clearly has had, you know, a lot of success mm. and seeing okay. that success is going to keep going and going and going and it will never end. And so I want to make sure I'll get my piece of that pie uh, just like everybody else is getting. So, so it's kind of like when you think following the herd, if, you know, everybody's buying an F-150, mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy an F-150. I, right. You know, every, my whole street's got F-150s. That's, sure. a, you know, the Ford. So I want to look like everybody else because it's important. So that's following the herd. That's yes. doing what everybody else is doing. By the way, we saw that we got taught that in high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, if everybody was wearing white socks or red socks or blue socks, guess what? Everybody (laughs) starts wearing red socks, blue socks or Mm -hmm. whatever. So that's what you have to be. How do you avoid that uh, that mindset, uh, Landon? Well, just be careful when you are watching. uh, It's just like what you said about the guy that had the thing that uh, popped up on his phone. Just be careful. I mean, just because something uh, pops up on your phone that says, hey, this has happened, doesn't necessarily mean you have to react to it. I think it's very smart to keep yourself aware of things that are going on, but it doesn't necessarily mean let's take action on that. Take a deep breath, in other words. Very very much so. And you want to go back to your – I think this is where the financial plan comes uh, into place – is go back to what you – what was your desire to begin with? What was your uh, end goal that you had in mind when you started out? That keeps you disciplined. That keeps you on – the, the path that you want to be on, and because uh, a lot of times following the herd is basically chasing a rabbit down a hole. Okay, now let me think with me for a second, and just a second, and uh, discipline and, and the goal. Keith, you have a comment about that, I mean, the thought process? Well, we always say uh, invest according to a financial plan. So when you have your financial plan, you've looked at your goals, you've looked at how long you have to accomplish those goals, you've looked at how much volatility you can stand. If you wake up, you know, at today, and your account was down 5% on paper, and it would have been 5% if it was primarily equities this week, and that makes you want to make a decision, then that may be too volatile of a mix for you. So you take all these things together, you get your plan, and then if your goals don't change, your time horizon doesn't change, your plan doesn't change. Your plan never changes because of a headline on CNBC or alerts you get on your iPhone. Okay, so discipline is what you Discipline. Basic, fundamental discipline to the plan. You know, one of the things I think we do in the office that I think helps that is we try to share with with the client not just the numbers the returns the percentages that's important but is it is it are we meeting their objective their goal and the discipline that it takes to do that is what our job is well and, and again we focus a lot on education like for example the S&P typically drops about 14% every single year but still finishes up 75% of the time if you understand that you're not as concerned about volatility very good point very good point well if you just tuned in my guest Landon Mills Keith Quinn we're talking about seven strategic thoughts approaches, attitudes, actions that that helps you get through the market. This week has been a volatile market. The word volatility has been kind of on the headlines today. So we're giving you some thoughts. The first one has been following the herd. When we come back, we're going to go through the next six. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this. 
From November 1942 to May 1943, the B-17 Flying Fortress Strategic Bomber we know as the Memphis Bell completed 25 combat missions in German-held territory, making it one of the first such aircraft to do so. After arriving at Dow Field in Bangor, Maine, she was deployed temporarily to Prestwick, Scotland, and then to her permanent base in Basingbourne, England. As part of the 324th Bomb Squadron, the Memphis Bell bombed numerous targets in France, Holland, and Germany in the first two years of Americans' involvement in the war. For the remainder of the war, the plane and crew toured the United States to sell war bonds. After the war, although the city of Memphis attempted to preserve the aircraft for posterity, weather, vandalism, and theft left the Memphis Bell in a state of severe disrepair. The plane has since been disassembled and relocated to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where it is undergoing an extensive restoration that will preserve it for many years to come. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, guys, you talked about earlier following the herd, and you kind of almost got into the emotional investor being the fact that you get caught up in what's happening with the the iPhone or, you know, your your smartphone sending you a prompt or maybe you're watching CNBC or some news program that's telling you how bad it is. And But you, you kind of give me the insight here. And, Keith, I'm asking you, 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 you referred to just get that volatility out of the right. mind. But what are some other things that you would expect somebody to understand? If you have the tendency to get emotional, what do you do? And that's the thing. If you if you uh, can get emotional about this, and again, it's a very real thing when you're talking about your life savings. Uh, but you have to weed out the emotions because again, sticking with that discipline plan. So what we see emotion do sometimes it can have two effects. It can cause you to be fearful. Maybe you're too fearful, and you've stayed in cash rather than being in an invested portfolio, a diversified portfolio. Well, cash has had a very low return, basically zero for the last six or seven years. So if you have that, and you have some level of inflation, and inflation right now is about one point three percent. Well, guess what? You've got a real return of negative 1.3%. So that fear has caused you to make a decision that's not in your long-term interest. It is not according to a plan. It's not a disciplined decision. And the flip side of that, of course, is greed. When you want to get into the market when it's gone up, and typically people who do that, they'll wait till the market's gone up and up and up. Like we've seen over the past six years, the market's up over 200% since the March 9th low in 2009. Uh, people want to get in, and then the market will pull back. And that's what you've got to protect yourself against, is this these emotional responses to investing. It must be disciplined, must be According to a plan, and you've got to keep the long term in mind. Well, you know, when you think that long term, you're talking about getting the emotions out of your mindset, and then, and I think one of the things that you say is the short term, mid term, and long term horizon. Absolutely, know what you're trying to accomplish, know the whole thought process, and and don't don't just. Read the headlines and make decisions. Don't get caught up in the headlines. That's the headlines, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. The headlines are there for That's a reason. That's a great <laughs> point. That's a great point. Keith, one of the things that we talk about, and I know you do this with your clients, is, is suitable diversification and, and the fact that some people don't do that well, and then they forget to rebalance their portfolio. Help us with that, that strategic thought of diversification and systematic rebalancing. Well, when you're talking about diversification, and I think I think if I could cover the second one first, uh, when you 
I think rebalancing is one of the uh, probably the most neglected things that uh, that happens, but it is one of the most important things that happens. And I think a lot of times when you you talk about rebalance to a client, a lot of times you kind of you make it the the glossy eye. But what that really means is it, it goes back to I think investing one on one. Rebalancing will force you to buy low and sell high. That's good. It, it it absolutely forces you. If you think about it, if you've got a portfolio spread across a number of different asset uh, categories, some of those categories in that year are going to do well, and some of those categories are not. When you rebalance, you are selling uh, the categories that did well, and you are buying the categories that did not. And a lot of times people think that may be counterintuitive. Why are we putting more money into something that's not doing well? Well, if you... You know, just like anybody else would tell you, if it's down, it's probably going to come back up. Mm. If it's up, there's a chance it could go down. And so you want to put more money into something that on the, that's on the downside to capture more of the upside. Sell when it's high, buy when it's low. And it's because winners rotate, and I do not have a crystal ball. Uh, I cannot tell you for sure what's sure. going to be the best performing asset class this year. I think people need to understand that diversification or asset allocation it does not you know, guarantee you against a loss. I mean, everybody knows that you can be have a highly diversified portfolio and still suffer losses. Uh, uh, yes, I would go further than that, and I will guarantee you a loss. Yeah, you sure. will be down. Yeah, you will be down at some point in time, but this keeps your asset mix kind of where you want it to be. It keeps you set on your objectives, and you sell your winners, and you buy your losers. If you, you know, At least once a year, that's what rebalancing is all about. And I know, Landon, you really work hard with your clients on that. Well, and one thing I was going to say about rebalancing, if, if there's somebody out there that is not sure if their portfolio is being rebalanced, that is a question that needs to be asked. And that's one of those things that I'm really trying to work with my clients now is that they understand one, that their their account get, gets rebalanced on a regular basis. I think it needs to be done at least once a year. I think there's a concept that you could rebalance too much, but it needs to be done at least once a year. And if, you, if you're not sure, ask. Find out. Because I think it's one of the, the, the basic rules of investing that need to happen, and a lot of times it doesn't. That's a great point. That's I, I know when I first uh, joined the firm or came down to Memphis, and that was the end of 2008 and 2009, I thought we rebalanced. I thought rebalancing every year was a little bit too often. And, of course, uh, Mr. Shoemaker informed me that, you know, that was the sweet spot. And I, I did a bunch of studies. I looked at six months. I looked at, you know, I looked at uh, 12 months, looked at 18 months, 24 months. And as he often is, he was exactly right. <laughs> and a year is about the optimum time to rebalance to get the better okay, return. Okay. okay, Art, you can keep his microphone <laughs> on. <laughs> Mr. Shoemaker, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, 2016 already, good. But uh, Keith won't ever say that again for the rest of the year. You know that's it. Let me let me deal with this, Landon. I, I want to go one more time with you. Sure. Those thoughts about being too complicated. I know you do a great job with your clients. And by the way, if you guys are listening and you want somebody that helps you understand what you're doing and guides you in a very very I guess, holistic way and helps you understand what you're trying to accomplish and what you tell him what you're trying to accomplish. That's Landon Mills. And just give him a call at 757-5757. Landon, uh, you know, and I really do appreciate this. You do a great job of not making things too complicated. And that's one of the strategies that we say people have to realize to have to work towards. Well, and I think think you hit it right on the nose. I try to – sometimes it can be difficult to make things simple. There are things out there that are just complicated in nature. But one of the things when I started in this industry uh, that actually both of you guys stressed quite a bit was to educate your client. Mm. If you educate your client, if you educate yourself about anything, 
things typically get less complicated. If you educate your client on investment strategies, what types of investments are out there, what is going to be good for that particular client given the situation, it's going to be less complicated to them. But overall, if you go back to, I always use this um, this analogy, uh, KISS, keep it simple. And sincere, and sir. And sincere. <laughs> Fill in the blank on that last one. But, yes, that is you, – you can't you can't neglect that. Keeping it simple, um, for the most part, clients want to trust that you're going to take care of their money, but they want to be able to understand and to have a, a, a conversation with you. The more you complicate things, the less they're going to uh, talk to you about stuff because they feel like, well, maybe I'm, I'm a little afraid to ask a question. And then you got yourself in a bad situation. So, you know, overall, keeping it simple, you know, it really is the best way to go. And we, we do that as well because I would not recommend an investment if I didn't understand how they were making money. And a great example is Bernie Madoff. When you have mm-hmm. someone that's giving you a 10% return but will not tell you how they're doing it, that is a red flag. That's a huge red flag. Seek advice when you struggle. That's kind of the summary of that. With a person, a client struggling with what's going on, ask questions. Don't hesitate to mm-hmm. dig into the weeds. And it should be able to be something that can be simply understood. We will go to any lens. And, again, I we want our clients understand what we're doing. Again, that is that is so key that you need to understand what you're actually investing in. I'm talking with Landon Mills and Keith Quinn. We're discussing seven or six sub, you know, strategies, thoughts, uh, attitudes, approaches that you should be thinking about for 2016 as you're investing. The market has been a struggling market this week. It looks like it may turn around, but this is some thought process for you to put together in your mind to avoid getting caught up in the reaction to what's happening with the news. Stay with us. When we come back, we're going to cover five, six, and seven. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan. It's the results. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, guys, you guys are doing a great job walking us through some fundamentals, strategic thoughts about how to manage your investments for 2016. And, Keith, one of the biggest issues a lot of people have, and this is one of those thoughts that, you know, it's it's hard to imagine, but they get into something and it's maybe mother and dad told them to do it. Maybe this is what was done 20 years ago. Maybe this is what was done at the at the sorority house right. of fraternity. And now they're still doing it. And sometimes you got to know when to cut your losses and move on. How Absolutely. Do you, how it, do you talk with that? Well, it comes back to what we've talked about before. It's when you have an emotional attachment to an investment. You know, you've again, you want this, but you don't want that for the reasons that it fits in with your discipline plan, that it's going to help you accomplish your goals. You know, I come up against that too. A lot of times we'll get, you know, we get involved with these managers that, that a lot of these that guys we know that we personally. know and that are really good. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to evaluate it from an objective standpoint and try and take the emotion out of it. So you're talking about keeping to your strategy, keeping, keeping to, to your, your strategy. discipline, yeah. your goal, and don't, in other words, make things simple because you have a plan. Because you have a plan. Yeah. And sometimes you have to know when to say when. 
Well, that, and that is hard. It is hard. That is hard. One of the things, Landon, that a lot of people are faced with today in, in this whole process is, you know, when markets have been tough, you look at it and you, one of the things we evaluate is how much fees are being paid. So, you know, that's one of the approaches that we're saying. Know what your fee structure is. Know what you're paying for. Help me with that. I think I want to kind of start here, and I'm glad I had an opportunity to talk about this because this is something that I feel very strongly about. But I think going back to that herd mentality, a lot of people think they're going to ask the question, well, am I paying too much in fees? What am I paying in fees? And a lot of times it's amazing to me how many people are – they just don't know what they're paying, you know, and and the concept of, well, I'm not paying a fee in this or I'm not paying a fee in that. Well – the the first thing I have to go back to the education. I, I have to stress that that you need. If you don't know what fee you're paying with it within a, an investment, you have to ask. <clears throat> um, the more you can educate yourself on that investment and how much the the, the cost structure is, the better you're going to feel about it. Um, one of the things that we try to do, or our investment committee does, is it helps us to find the lowest uh, cost structures for our investments. And that just helps me, one, obviously to be a better uh, advisor, but two, it gives me the confidence to go in and say, look, this, I feel like this is going to be a great strategy for you, and here's the reason why, and oh, by the way, here's the cost structure, and here's the reason why we chose that. And a lot of times it's because we chose this because it, w- it, was, a, uh, it was a savings for you. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and if you, can, if you can express that to the client, then I think that's going to make them feel much more confident and, and at ease with you. I totally agree. The transparency is key. We like to, you know, we like for people to know exactly what they're paying. I always focus on this. We do this as an investment committee. We always focus on getting the lowest cost investment option because it is one of the things that we can control. And we've done a tremendous job, and the industry's done a pretty good job of bringing down the fees over the last several years. You're exactly right. And I think what you're saying is you don't just chase the fee. No, you but, don't let the fee wag the you don't let the fee tail wag, wag the investment the, dog. Well, right, but you do take that into consensus. That was pretty good, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Although fee tail is a legal term, and I'm uh, getting some trouble with right. that since that's I'm an exactly attorney. Right, but, but uh, I think you're exactly right. Let me say the last one is failing to stick to a strategy. That's what you guys have said multiple times, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to think about. If you got a short term goal, it's a zero to two year strategy. If it's a mid term goal, it's three to eight years. If it's long-term, it's eight years or longer, and stay with that strategy. Don't get caught up in what happened yesterday or the day before and and try to make those decisions based on just data from a week ago. So stay with your strategy. Let me ask you this, Keith, because you guys have given us seven strategic approaches, you know, everything from don't follow the herd to stick to a strategy, stay with your plan, be disciplined, don't get emotional. But what are you already thinking about 2016? How can you summarize this whole program? What do you think? What are, you, what are your heads looking at? Right. So we always think about, you know, the unknowns. Well, we like to think about the known unknowns. And some of the known unknowns we have this year are presidential election. We know we're going to have an election. We don't know who's going to be a president. Uh, we think that we are going to have slow economic growth, but we're going to grow. Uh, and we do think profit growth is going to be there. We didn't see that in the last two quarters of, of 2015, but we think that's going to be slow as well. So we look at these and we know we're going to have divergent central bank policies. We know the United States is on a tightening cycle. We know that the Europe and Japan are on an easing cycle. So these are the things that we know. We know we're going to have some level of geopolitical tension. And, you know, how does that translate into the markets? Well, we expect increased volatility. We've talked about that a lot. We haven't had a, the normal level of volatility over the last five or six years. We expect volatility 
ability to pick up. We expect returns to be modest. We know that interest rates going up are going to be a headwind for bonds. Uh, we expect active management to play a bigger role. There's going to be winners and losers out there, and we need to really focus on picking those. Uh, so that's what we do is we, you know, we focus on these fundamentals, and we try and keep that in mind when we're making our investment decisions and putting together our plan. Well, you talk about diversity. Right, and I mean, diversity is key. You know, we don't want all of our eggs in one basket. We think that the United States is going to grow and that returns are going to be good, but we don't want to put all of our money in the United States. We think there are opportunities internationally. We don't want to put all of our money into stocks. We want some portion of bonds in our portfolio to provide us that income, to give us that buffer when the market pulls back, which is exactly what they're supposed to do. And we saw that this week with treasuries moving up as the market dropped in a pure risk-off type of trade. So that's the kind of things we think about when we're building a diversified portfolio. So with everything that you're saying, diversification, active management being right. better than just the passive management, and seeking income from the bond portfolios, working through that process and dividend, high dividend stocks? You made such a great point, and I think people need to understand that. You know, when you think about a total return proposition, it's not just the price return. Dividends are incredibly important. That's part of your total return. As you said, you would have had a negative return in the S&P last year based just on the price. But when you add in those dividends, you get a positive return. That's something that we can count on. Uh, that's what we like to focus on. You know, you guys have done a wonderful job. Landon, I appreciate so much what you do. Again, if you'd like to con contact Landon, just call him at 757-901-757-5757. Ask for Landon Mills. Thank you sir, for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Landon could be my advisor. Yeah, he could. He does a good job. He cares. That's absolutely, and that's absolutely the key. He absolutely cares about it. Following the herd, being an emotional advisor, hey, I mean, emotional investor, hang around too long, suitable diversification. Those are positive things we need to think about. Making things too complicated, and as Landon said earlier, paying too much in fees and failing to stick to a strategy. That's what we've been talking about. You know, one of the best things about it, this program is absolutely for you, designed for you, and we appreciate the people that help us put it together. My producer and board operator, Art Frederick, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistants, Eleanor Moskovitz, and Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. My guest today, Landon Mills and Keith Quinn, did an excellent job, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Keith Quinn, and Landon Mills are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. <laughs>